Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media by searching Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram and we'll pop up and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Please like, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening. It really helps us out. You know, just do the thing. Keep up with all things Medium Cool. And while you're at it, please leave a rating or review. We appreciate you and all that you could do. All that said, um, today, uh, Joe and I were uh, supposed to do Tar and the Whale, um, but someone, I won't name who, uh, didn't watch the Whale, <laughs> so uh, we're not actually officially going to cover the Whale, uh, however, uh, because I got to see it in theater, I mean, because one of us got to see it in theaters, um, uh, that was fun. It was, <laughs> if you'd call it that, um, the whale's a pretty heavy movie, uh, but I did get to see it in theaters. Uh, it, I, so I live in Lafayette, Indiana and, and it's a, it, it we often get movies like way late, especially in the fall because, uh, often, you know, we, we don't get certain movies. I'd have to go to Indy to see them. I can't always just go to Indy. That's kind of the problem is just like an access issue. And so, uh, you know, in the sake, in the case of the whale or tar or any of these, you know, we got tar just a couple weeks ago, uh, in the theaters and, uh, yeah, basically if it's an Oscar related movie or whatever, uh, you know, we often get them late. So anyways, the point is, uh, I got to see the whale from 2022 and I'm a big Darren Aronofsky fan. And uh, Aronofsky made this one. It's uh, written by Sam Hunter, who I believe also did the play, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't have like a ton of notes on this one because once I realized we weren't doing it, uh, you know, I didn't go all the way on this one. But I want to talk about a few things here. Uh, It is about, uh, and this is directly from IMDb, a reclusive, morbidly obese English teacher attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter. And that is a very simplified version of what's going on. But this really is a pretty uh, small chamber piece, if you will, a a canned theater sort of movie. Uh, There are about four or five characters in this total. Um, Most notably, Brendan Fraser plays uh, Charlie. We also have Sadie Sink from uh, Stranger Things fame, who plays Ellie. We have uh, Ty Simpkins, who plays Thomas, which is a, uh, he's a, um, what do you call it, a like a church missionary, or is he? Uh, <laughs> uh, Hung Chow plays, uh, who's amazing, by the, I, I love her. She plays Liz in this, and then Samantha Morton, who's also amazing all the time, plays Mary. Um Man, I love this movie, okay? I'm just going to start by saying that. I have to admit, I do get a little hung up on how they treat uh, the obesity issue. Um, I know that they went to great lengths to deal with the obesity issue in in an appropriate uh, and kind of admirable or or supportive way, Um, but... I don't know. This is just one of those movies where what's happening is kind of amazing. Like, like not just the performance, but uh, like across the board, I feel like this is, it's not a perfect film. It's not a great film per se, uh, in, in terms of just overall filmmaking, but man, the performances are the focus of this, of course. And, uh, they're generally quite good. Brendan Fraser is very good. I mean, he has been touted as just like the greatest. I don't know if I'd go there, but he is really, really good here. And uh, and I love Brendan Fraser. I never knew I was a Brendan Fraser person. You know what I mean? Like a fan. I am. Uh, I have been since I saw him in uh, No Sudden Move, the uh, Steven Soderbergh movie. And he's in it very briefly. But it's like every time he was on the screen, I was just captivated by this guy. I was like, who knew I was a Brendan Fraser fan? And then, of course, he does this movie, and I'm just like, dude, this dude is awesome. But I have to say, um, you know, uh, listen, uh, in my household, my wife and I, we are uh, very much about fighting fat phobia. Uh, we are all about 
you know, body positivity and, you know, showing and representing these things in media and all of that. The only hang up I have with the whale, because honestly, I loved it otherwise, but I kept getting a little hang up when it came to the representation of Charlie. Now, I'm fully familiar that the, that the, uh, Aronofsky and the filmmakers worked with the obesity, obesity, obesity action coalition. This is something that they were really working hard on, trying to open people's eyes and, you know, uh, you know, trying to remember how people are judged and all of this. But here's the thing, though, I think you can see that in the film. You know, as someone who is dare I say, kind of woke when it comes to fat phobia, you know, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I don't necessarily call myself fat unless I'm joking, I guess. Um, I'm like six, two and a half. I weigh about 260 pounds. I'm a big dude. Okay. But I'm not like huge. And I don't mind if I was, I'm just being honest. Like this is just me trying to represent, like explain myself here or whatever. Um, so I'm not going to sit here. My point is I'm not trying to say that I know what it's like to be uh, fat or to live that life or to be treated in a certain way. Okay. Um, but I, you know, as someone who has, um, you know, talked with and is friends with, uh, you know, fat people and uh, talking about how they're treated and reading about these things and learning about how fat phobia is just completely entrenched in our uh, society, even down to our health care. Um, it's, it's a little troubling because I, I hate to say it, but I feel like I am kind of a part of some of the critics of this film um, where it does seem to kind of perpetuate fat people is suffering. I recognize that Charlie is a fat gay man. And I think that is like a really important kind of representation. But the problem is, like, though I recognize that he is kind of doing these things out of spite. Uh, like, for example, he gets a bucket of fried chicken at one point. We pretty much get a close up of him eating it in kind of a disgusting way. And I don't mean that like fat people are disgusting when they eat. I don't mean that at all. I just mean like, I feel like there's an intentional... He's making a lot of mouth noises. He's really cramming it into his face. And it just kind of feels like anti-fat stereotypes, you know, um, in many ways. Um, it doesn't feel as representative, and it feels more uh, like that trope I mentioned, that fat people as suffering kind of, kind of thing. He is depressed. He does binge eat out of like grief and self-loathing and all of these. And these things really happen, you know, and there are people, there are people who are fat that are fat phobic, like that, that hate themselves for being fat, that find themselves uh, being fat as disgusting <clears throat> and thereby finding themselves disgusting. And Charlie is one of these people. Uh, you know, he often asks people, like, do you think I'm disgusting? Of course, like this is more of a rhetorical question because he believes he is, and uh, and he's okay with kind of, you know, he, he has to choose between like, do I just continue living in self-loathing or do I just allow myself to die? And early on in the film, we're challenged with the idea of Charlie might die. You know, he has uh, at the very beginning of the film, he has a kind of a cardiac arrest, you know, and, and we realize that he is in really, really bad shape. But I just uh, I know that Aronofsky was really surprised by the criticisms about this and thought that the film was, you know, he kind of uh, politely retorted uh, you know, and basically said, like, I just feel like this inspires empathy. Like th this is like the sweetest man ever. And Charlie is. He is so sweet. He's an awesome character. Like, I really love him. But man. I just, I don't know, there are just certain scenes where it just, it just feels, it, it just, it feels like the focus is far too much on the fat and not on the grief and not on the self-loathing and not on all of those other aspects, the depression, the binge eating. Yes, I recognize that the weight may be a byproduct of that, but why are we focusing so much on it? However, I have to say this. Uh, the, I have, I personally don't have a problem with the, uh, like all the prosthetic stuff that they put on them. Um, it's super impressive. <laughs> like, like this is super good 
like makeup job uh, for for Brendan Fraser, who is not a super small dude himself. Okay, Um, but he put on like a 300 pound suit uh, with makeup and everything for this. And and it looks incredible. So uh, props to that. Again, I actually really love this movie, but my big hang up from adoring it, like like just praising it so much is just this all of the scenes that make me feel like they're just reinforcing these stereotypes that I don't want to exist, be perpetuated rather, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, if you agree or disagree, let me know. I, I mean, I'd be interested to hear your take on it. Otherwise, I mean, what else can I say? Performances are great. I'm not a huge, huge fan of Sadie Sink as the daughter. I mean, their performances are good, but it's more of the way they're written. Um, she is just hateful. Like she's very mean in the film and that's okay. I don't need to always like characters or I don't need to, you know, I I don't mind if characters are hateful or what, you know, like as long as there's a purpose and there is in this for sure. But, um, I don't know. I just kind of found it a little exasperating, (laughs) um, exhausting. Maybe is a better word. Uh, Hong Chao is so awesome. I, I love her performance. You very quickly realize why she's the way she is. Uh, Ty Simpkins is kind of just ridiculous uh, in many ways, but I grew up as uh, in a, an evangelical church with a lot of ridiculous stuff. So Ty Simpkins, I can kind of relate to that character to some extent. Uh, Samantha Morton is again awesome, but I didn't find her as awesome as I normally do. Same thing with uh, Hung Chao as well. Um, but uh, overall, though, uh, very very good. Um, the way this is shot, I love it. Again, makeup, I love it. Uh, everything is really tastefully done, I think, uh, with the exception of the treatment of of uh, Charlie as a fat representation. You know, I just don't really think that was handled well. I would have loved to have seen um, this fat man who can have health issues. That's fine. Um, but I would love to have seen this fat man um, be a better representation as in he just exists and does everything like does things like other people, <laughs> you know, rather than it just always being this constant drawback to his weight. Um, so I don't know. That, that, that seemed a little weird to me. That's kind of what kept it from greatness for me. I mean, I, I really, really liked it. By no means a perfect film, um, but an emotional and, and resonating like a film that you watch and it kind of resonates with you. I think this had the possibility of being that for me. It fell short a little bit, but that's does not mean it's bad. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure I gave this a four out of five still, but I'm still kind of sitting on that rating a bit. I just feel like I need to kind of sit and process, maybe even watch this again. Um, because that the representation of Charlie as a fat man really was a big hangup for me. Uh, so aside from that, I really, really enjoyed The Whale. As I said, I'm not really doing like a review of this. I did want to talk about it since I brought it up, though. Uh, my buddy Riley and I were able to go to the theater and see it. And uh, boy, what an experience was it, for better or for worse in many ways. Uh, but I, I would encourage you to check it out. Have your own opinion on it. See how you respond to it. I know friend of the show and Indiana film journalist, film critic, and writer for Midwest Film Journal, Sam Watermeyer. Uh, this was his favorite film of the year. So there's a lot of love out there. Um, there's a little bit of hate, but generally it is widely adopted. The the idea that uh, Brendan Fraser is really great in it. So at the very least, go check that out. Since this is a film about performances, I think you can check out that performance. All that said, uh, Joe and I are going to be talking about another uh Oscar contender. Um, I don't know the official list of the Oscars yet, but uh, I'm pretty sure The Whale and Tar are going to be up for some of them. So Joe and I are going to talk about Tar. We'll do that in just a moment. All right, Tar from 2022. We are uh, talking about some of the big kind of Oscar buzz movies you know this is one of the big ones this is uh written and directed by todd field the cast kate blanchett uh nomi merlant nina haas mark strong and we actually hear i don't remember seeing him but we hear alec baldwin's voice at one point do we ever yeah. see him i, I remember know. hearing him yeah I, I don't think we see him yeah i i must have missed that i missed even hearing him so well i it, it 
it almost went past me. Like I, I laid, yeah. I was like, that sounds so familiar. And then later I saw his name. I was like, oh yeah, that was him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a, a weird thing, but a pointless little vocal cameo basically. But, yeah. uh, release date was October 28th, 2022, but it had a bit of a resurgence. I know that it was playing here only a few weeks ago, uh, for the first time. So, um, and by here, I mean in my neck of the woods and, uh, what is that? Northwest Indiana. Uh, you can rent it on Amazon or other online rental platforms. And the film is set in the international world of classical music. And it centers around Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composers slash conductors and first ever female chief conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic. During an interview with the New Yorker Festival, she promotes several new projects, including her upcoming live recording of Gustav Mahler's Fifth Symphony, and her new book titled Tar on Tar. Uh, <laughs> Lydia is among the hyper-elite, uh, but she is plagued with the constant foreboding terror that she will fail in her endeavors, that she is not good enough. She wrestles with doubt and accusations, philosophy and relationships. And this way, too, uh, Tar feels like an intellectual French drama or something. Mm -hmm. Um and so, Joe, I, I guess my, my first question for you here, uh, and this is kind of unusual because I usually ask you kind of softballs, but here you go. Yeah. If you had to discuss what this film is really about, mm -hmm. what would you say Tar is about? That, that is a good question. And I, I think the answer is a lot of things. Uh, but chiefly, I, I feel like it's about someone who so so let, let's let's you know i, I want to be careful because i'm sure we'll talk about some of the major themes of this that you know that but we also don't want to get too deep into them so there's a lot of like you said a lot of that um sort of high-powered professional the best at what she does being brought down by something um, there's, there are elements of her past that, you know, her upbringing and, you know, where she's at versus where she was, you know, growing up, there's a lot of, you know, are people trying to bring someone down because of certain things, because of, uh, because they're a woman, because of their orientation. Um, and then there's also sort of elements of, if, if you'll forgive me, uh, for evoking whiplash, there's sort of elements of that as well in a more modern you know, a modern sense where, you know, I, I always kind of make a, um, uh, you know, when I'm talking about whiplash, I'm, I, I always kind of equate JK Simmons to, to, you know, Bob Knight or someone, uh, you know, someone who's kind of a mad genius, who's, who's cruel, who pushes people, you know, hoping to make them better, but employs these tactics. Well, Lydia Tarr, uh, is, I don't, I'm trying to think of a, a modern comparison, but she's someone who, maybe is doing things a little out of bounds for different reasons. And we don't, at least at the outset, necessarily know why, but it kind of sort of becomes clear later on. Um, but it's not exactly for pure reasons. Let's just say that. <laughs> but, uh, and, yeah. and that is, again, is part of the, the film, you know, the question of the film. So um, I, and I think, you know, that the film is about all of those things is kind of, to its benefit and its detriment to an extent um, because it's kind of a, a movie that moves around, you know, it, it's very, you know, like I said, it's very layered, but it also feels a little herky jerky because there's, we are losing, we, we tend to lose focus on certain things to go focus on other things. But I think in the end, it more or less is all in service of the same thing, which is, you know, what's, what's a genius, I guess, you know, um, are you know are there these drawbacks to being hyper hyper good at what you do or un you know un how do I say this I don't want to say savant but yeah being a savant you know like that level of uh, you were just the very best at what you do <laughs> I but, don't want to uh, say savant but savant. but I'm gonna because I don't know what other <laughs> word to say <laughs> so yeah so it, I think it's about a lot of things um, you know and I I think at the end it's it's just about Kind of the nature of being the top of your of your profession and how that can kind of go to your head yeah 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 that's that's a lot mm -hmm. uh, I, like i feel like i wanted to jump on a lot of what you just said let me I'm, let me let me reprocess here 
so yeah, I love the last thing. Um, yeah, I think I would uh, use the term um, a the what does it mean to be known or acknowledged as the best in your field, yeah. and then have to strive for perfection, yes. right? Um, she's like constantly struggling with. I can't find the exact right thing. Like I've done these really special things in the past. This needs to be better than those things. Like everything she does. And I relate to this in terms of certain, you know, if I've been in bands, it's like every song I write, I want to be better than all the other ones, which is not really um, a realistic goal, nor is it the goal you should have. I think sometimes, you know, having just good songs is okay. They don't all need to be the best song, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but you do see Lydia really struggling with her perfectionism uh, to the extent that it begins to eat into her relationships and, and uh, you know, and into, into many areas of her life, really. Um, but, you know, we also have uh, this film about a, a main character, because it's all about Lydia, yeah. You know, I mean, that's really the focus of the film. And and uh, I thought Lydia was actually really developed really great and, and largely because it, she's w- the film slowly lets us learn more about her one scene at a time. Yeah. You know, like one scene is a, is focused on X and then the next scene you still see X, but then they deliver Y. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because some of the things you alluded to, you know, she is um, <clears throat> uh, she is. uh married to a woman mm-hmm. okay so i don't know if she's uh bisexual uh you know uh lesbian it doesn't matter but the point is you know she's a part of the lgbtq community mm-hmm. um and but at one point i believe someone says like wait who are we talking about and it's like that's my wife and says something she says something like i'm her husband or so, so, something like yes. you know uh yeah. something like that and you lydia is a very interesting character in that way but um you know there are a lot of there are a lot of things going on with her life and she has eventually this is one of the things I think you were kind of skirting around. I'll use this so we can use this language. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a controversy mm-hmm. um, that uh, moves throughout the news cycles and uh, social media and stuff uh, that puts her career in jeopardy. Let's just put it that way. The controversy. Yeah. Okay, we, yeah. we can use that as the phrase. Um, and that is part of the drama, though it never feels like thriller level drama. You know, right. I mean, this is a pretty subdued film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, like, you know, we, we slowly get to know her more and she develops as a character, but like every scene one at a time. Um, but I guess. Let me continue uh, before I go there, because that would switch us off there. Um, but I also find the film really interesting because with all of these things Lydia struggling with, uh, you know, she's also this like kind of haunted character. You know, it starts off with her being super ultra strong, right? Yes. And then we start getting these weird uh, dream sequences, these kind of abstract dream sequences. Mm-hmm. And you start getting these little details that give those dream sequences more meaning. Yeah. And you start to become, you start to see how haunted she is. And uh, to the extent of she starts to be haunted because her ears are so tuned to tone and pitch that she's haunted by like the tone that a refrigerator makes. Yes. You know what I mean? She like can't sleep because she hears this certain hum. And when she opens the fridge door, it goes away. Yeah. She's just like, what the fuck? And she's like haunted by this <laughs> the whole two and a half hours, pretty much. Yeah. You know, um, but this is also a film about what I would consider insufferable characters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I hate most of these characters personally. Yeah. Um, they call people who don't, quote, feel music robots mm-hmm. you know oh, he's yeah. such a robot you know um and it's implied that robots are just kind of clinical predictable kind of by the books mm-hmm. uh type musicians and stuff They're, it's very much these people and what's funny is as i was watching this i was thinking all of this if this were a comedy is like fit for a woody allen movie circa 1980 mm-hmm. something yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. yes Cause absolutely because yeah. it's totally about these obnoxious elites right yes. and yes. uh you could totally very easily make this a comedy uh to some extent but mm-hmm. the problem is i loved it whenever woody allen did it in the 80s mm-hmm. um and i have a weird relationship with this film i went into this thinking this was going to be like so great mm-hmm. like really love it and I did yeah. not feel that way, uh, actually, at all. I did like the film overall, and sure. I think the film's actually super well made. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to I pass this off to you and just 
quickly talk about like the big thing everyone talks about with this, which is Kate Blanchett's performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to say one thing and I'll pass it off to you and we'll okay. kind of talk about it here. Mm. The way again, the way Lydia's developed and everything. Excellent. Um, I just felt it's so interesting because I would sit and say that when Kate Blanchett's in something, I'm probably like, man, that's going to be a better movie for it. I like really I've always kind of loved Kate Blanchett. But I can't really. Th- I remember someone saying when I was listening to a podcast or something, they were talking about Tar, and it was on their top ten. And someone who they were talking with was like, "I don't even think this is Kate Blanchett's best performance." And they're just like, "Really? Like, what's better?" And as they were talking about it, I started thinking about it. And I was like, "It's weird. It's like I can't think of necessarily like a better performance." Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just that I can think of better movies, and I think she's more awesome in them because <laughs> okay. I don't think she's better in carol than she is in tar but i would watch carol like 50 times before i'd put tar back on do you get what i mean so i i don't know kind of how to look at her performance because i think she does really well Mm -hmm. but and i think this might even be her most subtle performance because usually she is a little big and theatrical you know yes but man there's something about this where it seems so performative to me Mm mm-hmm and part of that, I think, is the writing. We'll get to that later. But I'm just curious, like, what do you think of of the performance of Lydia? And, yeah, uh, yeah good or bad, go for if, it. If, if I'm talking about her, I think, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm ready to, you know, rank it as far as her best performance. Oh, no. I think it's, I I'm think not it's asking one of, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the best performances that anyone gave this year. I, you know, I can say that. I say that after, you know, after the fact. You know, I, I, I actually watched this after... You know our our you know group's voting was done, so I didn't you know I I didn't vote for her, <laughs> but uh, you know I I don't and I don't know that I still would have necessarily, but it's I mean it's she's terrific. I mean she is it's certainly she's certainly the the best reason to watch this movie. But tell uh, me, but explain and you can continue what you're saying, but explain like why? Yeah, well, well, so number one, as a character, but and I think you're right that there's something off and i think uh, i think that the there's something with the film itself with the with i don't know if it's the script or um something else but there's something else that just is off a little bit and and you're right that this isn't a movie i'm going to be in a hurry to go rewatch but her performance was spectacular and and i'll and i'll start with you know there's there's a scene early on that's i believe it's all in one take where she's oh. teaching a class it is my God, like watch that scene because it, and this is what it did was it, I was sitting here watching the scene and it probably lasts, I don't know, 10 minutes. Like it's a long, it takes a while. Yeah. This is something I wanted to talk about. So keep going. Yeah. 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 And she's, she's talking and you know, she's, she's teaching and her class is kind of sparsely populated with students. And she picks on this one kid in the front row who seems pretty uncomfortable and so, you know, she calls him out and has this whole long conversation with him and it ends with him like cussing her and like storming out, you know, and, but the whole time she's, she's and and there's times where, and, and it, well, let me say it like this. It took me out. It took me off guard when he did it, you know, because I'm sitting here, I'm like, what is, what are, where are we going with this scene? Like they're just having this debate about, um, you know, Bach and like modern versus modern composers and, you know, why, he, you know, this kid wasn't a fan of Bach and she seemed to take like great offense to it. But his, his argument was that Bach was, um, was a, a misogynist and, you know, was, you know, basically was, you know, an old white man. And, you know, it was just like, it was just a crazy kind of thing, you know, that a, a conversation a lot of Gen Zers would have, but she seems to take great offense to it. And it's, you know, it, it's really interesting and she starts, but then she starts kind of picking at him and she kind of insults him, but it's very, but it's so subtly done. And she just has this very lax way of doing it that it surprised me when he like lashed out. And I mean, he, he, he was like, you're a fucking bitch. And he walked out. Yeah. Well, let, let me, let me set the stage real quick. Cause I wanted yeah. to talk about this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I actually have this under my writing thing. Cause I can talk about, uh, that but i want to stick on the performance okay but the whole this thing is she she is a, a guest lecturer at juilliard mm-hmm. and she has like you said a, a pretty sparse group and this is introduced by max this bipoc uh mm-hmm. non-binary student as yeah. he uh specifically labels himself 
or their self, I guess maybe one could say. Um, and uh, Max is uh, composing, but there's like no feeling in this. And you get that even watching it. Like, yeah. you get this is not quite right. Right. Um, and so Lydia interrupts him and starts asking questions kind of that in that like Aristotelian way of like, I'm going to ask you questions till you come up with the answer. Right. Yeah. That kind of a thing. She's trying to get Max to think about um, this piece that he's working on or that they are working on. I apologize. And so uh, Max talks about he that they don't like listening to cis white male composers is the exact way um, that uh, they, they put it. Um, and I, I have it written down. Uh, they call them. So they identify as a BIPOC pansexual student. That's what it is. And the whole, basically what happens is that they start arguing about Bach, Lydia and Max do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Max calls, basically sees no artistic value yeah in Bach because of who Bach is was what or well was but you know uh but also is in our culture and in classical music culture whatever and what Lydia was arguing was whoa 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 you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater regardless of personal life there is a great deal to learn from this right yeah now, of course, I unequivocally agree with Lydia in this. We've had a whole art versus the artist like sure. podcast episode, okay? Mm-hmm. However, the way Lydia uses this scene, I think she is kind of an asshole. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so like like uh, I'm like watching this and I'm like, dude, she is pushing this poor student. Yeah. Like obviously these are like backhanded insults you know like these kind of under the radar insult but they're also like obvious Mm -hmm. but in a way it's also a thing where if the student lashes out she can say why i I wasn't i didn't mean anything but you know it was very much like this covering tracks talking shit kind of a thing Mm -hmm. um and i thought that this the sequence the scene itself i thought was really great and and that was one of the most interesting scenes and conversations that happen in the whole movie. Of Absolutely. course, I'm a big fan of people debating about art versus the artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that kind yeah. of a thing. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, tell me what made you love that, or like what yeah, like, yeah. what stuck with you on that well, scene before I move on. Well, yeah, and, and like I said, I'll I'll try to fixate on the performance more than the writing. But you know, obviously, the writing is a big part of it. But uh, you know, I I think what it is is that attitude that she she conveys. You're you're right. It's it's this sort of it's a it's sort of a blustery but still kind of cowardly way to attack someone because she was and she was and it's obvious number one that she was so good at it that she was so measured in the way she said things and she would say them in such a in such an offhand kind of way that when he lashes out, she can just kind of throw her hands up. Oh my God, I didn't mean anything by that. You know, but also she, you know, like you said, I think she did call him a robot or she, she, she said something, there was like one thing right before he lashed out that she really like, she really hit the nerve, but you can well, see she, her. Con- she, she doesn't like specifically call Max out. Yeah. She talks about people like Max. Yeah. And then, but it's obviously uh-huh. like Max, you know what yes. I'm saying? Uh-huh. But continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and obviously that word choice is, um, you know, either poor or not poor. You know, like you said, he's he's a person of color. And, uh, you know, and I think there's a lot at play there. Um, you know, when when she's when she's saying that people like you and, you know, it could be like, what do you mean? Like people who are like you said, who are in the, you know, the, the LGBT community. Is it people of color? Is it young people? And it's like and it's kind of like no matter what the answer is, it's still insulting but it's hard to know which way that you're, you know, that she's attacking. And that kind of is her character in a nutshell. Um, but, you know, like I said, at the same time, the the thing of that is that the kind of the nuance of that is that while it's blustery and she's very much calling him out in public, it's also in a sense cowardly because she's hiding behind that. And, and this, and that's kind of a, a major character trait for her is this public persona that she's also kind of hiding behind to excuse things she, you know, well, let's say she's certainly doing some things, but 
that, you know, she's doing some things that are less than savory, um, but she's also, you know, accused of a lot of things. So it's kind of, you know, there's there's this kind of this nuance because she's a very likable person at times, but then at other times she'll just kind of sell someone out that she's really close to just because she has some, you know, there's some reason why. Um, again, I, it's not, this is a, I've got a couple specific things in mind that I don't necessarily want to spoil, but um, you know, she'll, she'll turn on her friends, people she's really close to, to, to suit a whim or suit a very specific desire she wants, you know, she has. Um, and it's not, and it's not even necessarily kind of what's good for um, the project that she's working on for the performance or, you know, what have you. Yeah. It seems like, you know, coming from a, what seems at the end to be almost like a blue collar upbringing, yes. right? Um, mm-hmm. To being this like gay mm-hmm. woman, yeah, composer mm-hmm. that has been dominated by male cis white men, <laughs> like yes. you know what I mean? Like yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like they like Max brings up in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like you get why in the opening sequence with uh, the New York Times or whatever it was, mm-hmm. why she, why Lydia comes off so performative. Yeah. Like I was watching it and I was like, "Fuck, that is such a great, yeah." Th-. Like, yeah, it's it feels performative, but it also should. Like she's performing, yeah, because she's trying to be this person, yeah, so she can be successful, right? Yeah. Same and, thing and- in the Juilliard uh, thing. Yeah. Like I get why she comes off. Dude, I know professors this way, actually, where I know them outside of school. Mm -hmm. And then whenever we get in, they start using certain language and they start talking in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I I understand. I don't even blame you for doing what you're doing right now, (laughs) because I know that you are trying to make sure that you are an authority here right yeah um, but at yeah. the same time it's like but you don't quite have to do that okay <laughs> yeah and the, <laughs> you well, know, but, that's the thing too with with you know in in a couple of what a couple for a, in a couple of like in a, additional nuances there like you said she has every reason to agree with max too and you know as far as her personal life goes and she very much goes the other way and the question there is is she doing it just to be a dick or is she doing it because she really believes that and it's and you kind of really don't know but the um but the uh, the other part of that is you know the you know we're, you were talking about it you know that scene being performative it's because Lydia the character is performing for that group for yeah. Max and for the other students that she's in front of and she's you know she's she's kind of asserting her authority i guess in a sense um and she's doing it in a in a again in a safe way for her to where, like you said, when when something happens, she can just like throw her hand. Oh my God, no, that's you know, like, you know, oh well. I mean, and she she's like so cool about it, you know, and she she's not like disclaiming. She's just like, oh well, maybe you're just not as good as you think you are, you know, or maybe you're not ready for this or that if you can't take a little heat. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, th- yeah, that that really struck when you said that, you know, when they're they're a certain way outside of class and they get in class and now they're using big words and you know. Um, but she is kind of on all the time um, and she's it's just like how much she's on or in what way she's on depending on who she's in front of when she's with her wife she's one way and when she's at parties she's away when she's having lunch with with a friend she's a different way and there's multiple scenes of each of those you know uh, of each of those phases and you kind of see the difference she has um, and, and I don't know if we're going to mention the scene later on we can come back to it but there's a very interesting scene that's very different later on where she goes into this building um, and, you know, I, we, I won't get too much into it, but I, that was kind of a complete tonal shift for me too. And, and I thought that was, uh, I think maybe you touched on it, but we, we don't have to go into it now. No. Maybe we well, no, I, I didn't it. touch on it, but, but it is a scene. Uh, if I'm thinking of what you are, where she sees the dog in the hallway and yes, and yeah. it feels like a thriller, like yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, I even think there's a point where she's jogging uh-huh. and she hears screaming yes. or something. And you're like, yeah. fuck. Right. Uh, that's the that's the French drama part, because <laughs> yes. I've watched yeah. a lot of French dramas that are just like weird like that sometimes. Right. Like, yeah. I didn't even think much of those scenes because uh-huh. um, I think uh, one could argue, though, I do believe, with, like you said, there is like a tonal uh, evolution there, I'll, yeah. I'll say. Um, but, you know, she's by the time those scenes start coming out, she's getting paranoid. She's becoming a little more unhinged. 
Um, and all of this is in a subtle way, listeners. I'm not talking about like full unhinged or anything, but right. right. Um, but I mean, yeah, all, like, well, <laughs> well, not, not well. I don't. I, I would still argue that uh, though. Toward the, I mean, at the end, we see uh, a, a pretty a dramatic change in Lydia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, keeping that vague. Um, yeah. But uh, up to that point, I would say she's largely. Mm-hmm. Um, it all is due to her obsessive nature, yeah. and and uh, much like any screenwriter or anything, uh, that piece is her baby. Yeah, and anybody who puts that in jeopardy is about to get fucked up. You know, what I'm right? Yes. <laughs> um, exactly. But let's. I'm, I want to tie this into the writing, mm-hmm. uh, the performance, because I mean, I think the thing you have to talk about in this movie is Lydia's, like, the performance of Lydia. Mm-hmm. She's in like every single scene, I yeah. think. You know what I mean? Like and and it's uh that's like the main thing of this movie. Uh and we get a great example of what a robot is with Mark Strong's character. Yes. Uh Mark Strong uh plays, let me pull it up here. He plays e- uh, Elliot. Mm-hmm. And uh Elliot is uh this guy who uh at one point straight up just asks Lydia like, "How would you do this thing?" And Lydia's like, I think you should do it your own way, you know, because he he needs people to show him how to do things so he can try to use those techniques to be better. He's uh, exactly what they mean by a robot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, pretty much most people in the movie are either uh, in some kind of relationship with Lydia or they're robots. Right. But Lydia is the one kind of star. And of course, uh, uh, Todd Field wrote this part specifically for Kate Blanchett, that was something that he's been pretty outspoken about. But the writing is so interesting, and I find it for as much as I love that kind of intellectual hoity-toity bullshit that Woody Allen does, where like, I don't know what half the shit they're talking about, but like, I still love it. Uh, Man, I just found the writing so obnoxious, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I really did. There's a point whenever Lydia's talking to Max in the Juilliard thing, Mm -hmm. and she goes, oh, that's that's very punked contra punked. And I'm like, that is oh, so yeah. fucking pretentious. Yeah. Like, I fucking hate. I had to look it up first off. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's also fucking hard to find what it means because it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It was just like so obnoxious. Yeah. And, and But it's not played for comedy. So I'm just annoyed by this person. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, I just, I don't know, man. The, I know that performances are different than writing, mm-hmm. but uh, the words used for Lydia made it feel so much more performative. To yeah. Me. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is. She, and again, sometimes performative is good. It's I'm also yeah. talking about the other times where it's not supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's just there all the time. Like I said, the best way I know to put it and I have it in my notes, it's like uh, taking a Woody Allen comedy from the 80s and trying to take it seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. I'm just curious, like, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Uh on the writing in this, like, yeah. did that affect anything? Because honestly, even in the Max scene, the Juilliard scene, which mm-hmm. I liked a lot, and yeah. I have in my notes probably my favorite scene. Yeah, I thought the writing was so obnoxious. I just love the content, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I love what it's about. Yeah, but very punked contra punked. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I think I and I feel like some of that's by design. I think this is. And this is the way that I, you know, that I interpret it when I'm watching. And I don't know, maybe others have a different feeling about it. I feel like that's a lot of of the point of of the movie is that, you know, this high upper, this super upper top of the crust um, academia, like beyond, this is even beyond academia, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, the just the the ego involved and the the level of, you know, the level of you know people who other people are recognizing as a genius and these people who kind of live their lives that you know with this sense that i'm just the greatest thing that there is and underneath all of it is is kind of an insecurity and they you know they they certainly play this all serious but i i think that we are meant to look at them in that way that that this is all just fake and you know, this is creations, you know, constructs of, of these people's imagination. And, you know, yet they're very good at what they do and they're passionate about what they do. And that's great, but they've also taken it to this extreme level that, you know, the, 
that you know most of us even would roll our eyes at you know even even those you know even these people who are you know who are I hate to say this, but, you know, people like us, people who are nerd, people who go to conventions and things. And I'm mentioning this for no particular reason whatsoever in relation to this film. The, <laughs> I feel like, you know, like those people are, are considered obsessive, right? People who love Star Trek, like people like me, people who are into Star Wars or sci-fi or comics or, you know, whatever, movies even, if you want to go Professional that. wrestling. Professional wrestling, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. People who are very serious about something to the extent that other people look at them and they're like, do you have to like it that much? I feel like these people are the top of that. And I kind of feel like to an extent, maybe that's part of the point. I mean, they're not they're not equating, you know, conduct yeah. major orchestras to professional wrestling. But, yeah, you know, but, but I think on. there is some of that. Yeah, I, I but I think what you're getting at, though, is like these are proper snobs. Yes. Like, like they, they diss mm -hmm. people's interests because they find them to be quote pedestrian or yes. something. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, cause I don't like using that word because I think it gets thrown around way too much. Like you and I being ultra fans of kind of anything we're automatically like you write about, oh, you're in the Indiana film journalist association, Joe, right. you're, you're a film critic. Oh no, right. you're a film snob. Right. You can't I, enjoy <laughs> movies because you didn't like the new Star Wars or whatever, right? Yeah. I and only it's just like, like I only like foreign films, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that but but see, like, but if if the, the snob part so what I just described is it's mm. like like you're just an enthusiast. That's right. okay. Yeah. But like the snob comes whenever it's like, Oh, you like that? Oh, I just found it a little too predict like you put people down yeah. for mm -hmm. liking the things that they like. Right. And Lydia is very much a snob, right? Yes. Um, and uh, most of the people she talks with are snob. The way they talk about people being robots yeah. is in a very snobbish way. Yeah. Um, so I think I, to use a, a term, I would say uh, yeah. that. But also, I want to clarify, I think this is absolutely by design. I 100% yeah. agree with you. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to make it out like I that yeah. was not where I was. 100% I think it is. Mm -hmm. My question for you on top of that then mm -hmm. is, is, is this, I almost use certain language I don't like at all. Because <laughs> um, I almost mentioned entertaining, but that's not how I want to talk about it. Because yeah. um, as we'll find out in some of my top 10 stuff uh, next week, uh, I will argue that I don't think movies are meant solely to be entertaining. Okay. Uh, however, um listening to some of the bullshit in this movie it's like i'm just like dude i like i i don't want to spend two and a half hours of my life yeah on this bullshit you know and again yeah. i like the movie don't get me wrong and i actually think it's super duper well made mm -hmm. this is like personal like this is like like right. bias or like my my uh um what i gravitate toward kind mm -hmm. of a thing right my interest yeah. um god it, i just found it so obnoxious that's the yeah. only word that comes to yeah. mind but like on on that level because i agree with everything you said i think you're spot on with mm -hmm. with like what it's really doing mm -hmm. um but like what does that mean for like end product there's there is and, and maybe this is kind of what you're what you're getting at there is a certain and this is going to sound harsher than i intended a certain tone deafness to it um if you know if you look you know todd field wrote and directed this um, and let me first of all preface by saying his previous film was Little Children, which I absolutely loved. Yeah, it's awesome. Was a terrific movie. And this is, I would call this a good movie. I would call this a very good movie, maybe, but I think that it also has designs in itself of being a transcendent sort of experience. And I don't think it's that. So I think maybe in that sense, like there, you know, he's in a sense, skewering a certain community, but he's also kind of very clearly trying to reach that heights and his that height in his own profession. So maybe there is a little touch of that. So that could be some obnoxious. And I and I certainly did find some of it, you know, some of the not the movie itself. I I guess, yeah, some of it I was there was the scene we talked about with the dog and stuff. I was just like, this is doing too much. And it was, it's trying to kind of be everything um in in a way that is off-putting to it to a, a certain degree um 
it's it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of like hyper educated people saying hyper educated things that no one else really cares about yeah. and you know and and i think some of the point is kind of lost along the way because of that because we're you know there there is a lot of like be enamored with this performance look at you know look at how she's stretching which i mean i i felt like she was pretty much impeccable but uh you know talking about kate blanchett but the the rest of the movie the movie that she's in is a little less so it, you know if it's a, a character study about a, a single person it's like okay this is great but the 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 story that she's that she's in that she exists in is not the best yeah yeah i think uh <clears throat> yeah i just i i think it's so interesting how people see this movie i guess um a lot of people like i said like blanchett's performance and think it's so believable i felt it was perform performative like kind of the whole time um and but i think i think the key is the the level of connection that you're going to have with this movie i think is based on how one connects with lydia tar if you like not not like as a person but if you like the character of lydia tar like a lot of people uh, either love to hate or like how complex and weird and different she is or or whatever. Um, I think that's like kind of a key because I'll say this. First off, this movie uh, puts together two Indiana Jones villains, okay? <laughs> <laughs> With Julian Glover and Kate Blanchett. Granted, Kate Blanchett was in just the most abhorrent movie, but still the point is, we get two Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Julian Glover's face doesn't melt, but that's fine. I can live with that. Um, but the other thing, uh, being serious, is uh, like the sound. That, like I love how quiet this movie is for being about like big, kind of boisterous Fifth Symphony, uh, like compositions and things and orchestral sound. Uh, this movie is super quiet. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that is that is a thing. Uh, visually, uh, like the vision of the film and the cinematography and thing, I think is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the cinematographer uh, Florian Hofmeister did really well, um, and there is a like a vibe, like a um, like a, a visual tone uh, to this film that I think is very. Uh, consistent and very good uh, even just the choices of uh, for example there is a scene where Lydia is meeting with I forget his name off the top of my head and I can't find it but anyway she's meeting with like another composer that works with her um, and she's trying to get him basically to retire or move on because she like doesn't want him to be yes. Like her, not assistant, but like whatever he is to her. I don't know why I'm forgetting. I, I that. believe it was assistant composer was the title. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, yeah. but he was like her mentor, I believe. Right? Uh, no, that wasn't the mentor. Uh, the the mentor was uh played by Glover. Uh, okay. The the whenever they meet in the um uh deli or wherever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but th this guy was a. F a friend with that dude. And that's why he was there the whole time okay, yeah. uh, for so long. But, um, but yeah, like uh, that sequence, uh, whenever, whenever she's kind of trying to convince him to go away, it is super detached. Like we are like it, you can see their full bodies. We're like very distant from them. And then there will be another scene like with her and her uh, wife uh, where they're just sitting there hugging and talking about their day or whatever. And it's like a super, not extreme close up, but it's like very closed in on them. Right. And it's not like just the way that the visuals were like corresponding with the tones and the context I thought was so good. Um, the production, like the set design, costume designs, the scores, all of that is fucking spot on dude. Um, like everything is, Oh, Sebastian is the dude's name. Uh, yeah. Uh, when Lydia talks to Sebastian and it's all disconnected, but my point is like, dude, the production is out like just, I'll be the first to say it's great. You know, like I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and it's just that the whole, like, so I would argue that so much of it relies on your connection with Lydia. I yeah. just didn't have that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like credit where credit's due. I think this is great. Mm -hmm. Just on a personal level, it's just not as much what I'm going for. Cause I just, right. 
the person you're trying to get me on board with, I just can't get yeah, there. Yeah. You know what well, I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and and she's not a good person, you know, her as a character, you know, she's she's got a lot of flaws. You know, she's she's talented and troubled in some ways. She, you know, she's trying hard to maintain a, you know, this veneer and she also has some pretty significant character flaws that she's yeah. you know that that she maybe doesn't even know her character flaws, you know. So it it's just it's yeah, it it's rough and and at times it's it's tough to, you know, in in most movies sometimes you have a protagonist who's not the greatest and they're, you know, they they have major flaws, but they always try to cover those up a bit to where it's like a you know, a situation where she's she's trying hard. In this case it's like She's trying hard to be very good, but she's also, you know, an ass, and you know, pretty blatantly and un- unapologetically. So it's yeah, it, it's it's just it. She's a hard person to to be around, and you're around her for what two hours and thirty something minutes, kind of nonstop. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I can think of like many movies that have like kind of uh not good people protagonists i think of like right now i'm watching the tv show boardwalk empire my wife and i went back yeah, and started yeah. watching that we're in season four now nucky thompson played by steve buscemi not a good guy he's right. like actually kind of a very bad guy but he's our protagonist yeah. he kind of i mean we have several kind of protagonists but he's like the main guy no like he sucks i would never be friends with this guy he's like the worst but at the same time i i like the context of what's happening. I like the shit he's yes. getting into. You know what I mean? Same yeah. thing with uh, with um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis mm-hmm. uh, as uh, the dude in There Will Be Blood. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, why yeah. I'm like spacing his name right now. Daniel Plainview. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Gee, yeah. I was like, I know it's close to his own name, but I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, Daniel Plainview, like super bad guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like super bad guy. And I like love watching that unfold. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the Master, same thing. Super problematic, troubled character, mm-hmm. but I am fascinated watching it. Unfortunately, uh, I wasn't by Lydia. You know what I mean? It was almost like go away heat, like we've talked about before. <laughs> Not, it didn't yes, get there. Yes. It didn't get Ex-Pop there. But I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like it was like it was all. It almost got there by the end. Um. So I don't know. Uh. Any any last thoughts about Tar and anything we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? Yeah, I I I think I mostly appreciate this movie um for the performances um uh, you know in a couple of individual sequences and uh, the the larger story is flawed to me. It's it's too long. It's 2 hours and 30 something minutes like I said and it it feels it too. It's it just it moves so slow and it's you know it's it's occasionally fun and entertaining but it's a slog at times too and and just when it was over I was ready for it to be done and um you know, I, I know, you know, again, you know, some kind of film snobs, so to speak, if we're going to go back to that phrase or, you know, they're putting this at the top of the, the year. I, I It's not for me, not for me personally. I, I thought it was, a, like I said, a good movie. I certainly appreciate the the craftsmanship of it and the, the quality of it. But, uh, you know, like I said, like the like the people that it's depicting it, it's kind of overstuffed and not the. You know, it, it's not a movie I'm I'm in a hurry to to revisit again. I'll say it like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I really, really wanted to like this more. Um, <laughs> and like I said, there are moments. There are moments where it is cool. But uh, uh, and and I don't want to deter anyone else from seeing it because, like I said, I think this is actually a very good movie. I think it's very well Absolutely. made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think if if you give it a shot, I I feel like your con- the connection you're able to have. Mm-hmm. with that character is going to be yeah. a really big indicator on whether you can kind of get down with this or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hey, if you've seen the movie and you agree or disagree, please hit us up medium cool pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at uh, medium cool pod at gmail.com. I'll remember it eventually. <laughs> Joe. Thanks buddy. Hey, no problem. That was our show, everybody. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Joe about Todd Field's tar. Um, also, uh, my general thoughts about the whale. Again, not an official review or anything. I just thought I'd give some quick thoughts about it, though. Uh, if you agree or disagree on all of those, like I said, please hit us up. 
uh, Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Send us a message. Shoot us an email, mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on these movies. I say again, I would love to hear your thoughts on these movies, especially The Whale, actually. Tar, I care less about. Um, the Whale, I would just love to get your take on it. Great? Awful? Somewhere in between? Let me know. I sincerely want to know. Uh, next week, I'm very excited. I'm going to have Matthew Sosi, Joe Shearer, and I. We're going to get together. We're going to do our top 10 favorite films of 2022. Um, we're going to make sure that that's a fun time. Uh, I think we're going to do our 6 through 10, where we kind of just list them. And then we're going to actually have discussions about our top fives. Uh, so we're going to be talking about quite a few movies. This year was so weird. I look at my top 10, and I'm still just like, is this really my top 10? Um, in some ways, it was a strong year. In other ways, it wasn't. Um, so it was one of those things where there were a lot of good movies, so it was hard for me to make a top 10. You know, less great movies, but a lot of pretty good ones, you know. So uh, we'll see how my list turns out, and I'm very excited to see how uh, Joe and Matt's list turn out. Joe already told me. Uh, you know, you're really going to hate some of mine. I'm like, dude, you're going to hate some of mine too. <laughs> so hopefully it's fun. All that said, hey, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Good night. Good luck. And take it easy. <laughs>